Hello and welcome to another episode of the By Your Side podcast, the property podcast to help you make smarter property buying decisions. My name is Michelle May and I am the principal of Michelle May Paris Agents here in Sydney. Now, when I do my research for what we can possibly talk about and impart knowledge on uh, to those listeners out there, I came across an article recently, which was one of the, you know, the salubrious papers, a little bit extreme from time to time, but they had an article where some ingenious person had hung up some Ikea curtains on an enclosed balcony and put it up for rent for 300 bucks a week. It did come with cooked rice and uh, cooking stuffs and cleaning stuffs. But it begs the question, are we now getting to a point where renting is so crazy expensive out there that we're getting close to a point where you may as well buy a property? So my mind immediately turned to James O'Brien, the fantastic financial guru from Sure Financial, to talk about this a little bit more in depth. How are there smarter ways of getting into the property market, either by yourself or with maybe help from mum and dad? So once again, James, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? Very good. How are you, Michelle? I'm good, thank you. Look, another day, another dollar, real estate up and down. It's always crazy. And I came across this article and immediately I thought we have to discuss this. I mean, I sent it to you. You saw the pictures. What are your thoughts? Oh, it's, yeah, that's mental. You can't, uh, I don't, yeah. Well, the the pictures of the actual property that you showed me, the, the, the balcony that they've enclosed to rent out as a property is ridiculous. That shouldn't be mm. allowed. Each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, this person's obviously being smart. They want an extra bit of income. I feel yeah. sorry for the poor person who has to put themselves in that situation. And you yeah. and I both know where that is. That's in the centre of Sydney. Um, yeah. But, you know, you do, you don't go a day without hearing uh, about the rental crisis and how mm. difficult it is to, to rent. So now that the prices of renting have become so high. I put it to you, what does it actually look like to buy and what would the difference between between buying and renting? So if we're talking about a two-bedroom apartment with a cost of, say, what were we talking, 900 950 can mm. you run us through the numbers and what that would look like, the difference between, because we know now, I recently bought an apartment for 950 for a client that would rent yep. out for 900 a week, uh, mm. two bed, two bath, one car. So if we mm. take that as a model uh, mm-hmm. for the listeners out there, what, what would that actually look like with mortgage repayments? Good question. Uh, it depends on the size of the loan, so how much cash they're putting in to purchase the property. You said 950 as a as a as a price point. Uh, what I'll do, I'll, I'll let's do two price points. If we said 900,000 and we assumed that the property buyer was a first home buyer, then they would be eligible in New South Wales, they'd be eligible for two separate first home buyer grants or or options. One of those being the first home buyer guarantee, which waives their requirement to pay lenders mortgage insurance. Uh, The other one being the first home buyer choice, which negates their requirement to pay upfront stamp duty and instead they pay an annual land tax. If they're buying a $900,000 property and they're qualifying for both of those, then they can actually buy the property with $50,000 cash. That's all the cash they'd need. Mm -hmm. And then their loan would be $850,000 there or thereabouts, $855,000 more accurately. So if they're buying for $855,000 as a first home buyer, they've got minimal 
cash that they've need to put in, only 50K, on a typical owner-occupied interest rate at the moment of, say, previously 4.8 or 4.9% with the most recent RBA increase of 0.25%, 25 basis points, the monthly repayments would be about 4,600, a weekly repayment of $1,077. Right. So $177 more yep. than if you were to rent it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, then, that, to me, that strikes, yeah, and you're paying it off. That's, yeah. to me, that really strikes, that's, that's I mean, it's another $200 you need to cough up, but at least it's something sure. that's becoming yours. Do you think that that divide has never been smaller between renting and, and buying? Is it, is it, uh, I mean, question. because the rents think, seem Well, when, when the rates were so low, the repayments mm. were incredibly low. So rents were lower as well, particularly during COVID when people were struggling at first, people were struggling to mm. actually rent their properties out. And you had people that were breaking lease and moving yeah. into a bigger, better rental property for a much yeah. lower price. And yeah. now the pendulum has swung completely the opposite way where we have mm. a shortage of rental properties and, mm. uh, and people are paying a premium to get into them. So back then, yeah. the the interest rates were so low, even though rents were lower, it was almost comparable, whereas now it's almost out of desperation and due to lack of rental supply, mm. it would be you know questionably easier for a, mm. you know, for someone looking to rent, it would be questionably easier for them just to buy. Yeah. And then they own the asset and, as well. Yeah. And particularly now with, with all the incentives in New South Wales, yeah. uh, yep. that they really make a big difference. That price point you mentioned before of 950. Yeah. If it was in that hypothetical, and let's say it's someone that had a bit more cash uh, or they're yeah. able to access cash from family. They did either a guarantor loan or, or, or parents, let's say parents gifted them some funds. So mm-hmm. perhaps parents released equity on their property, gifted yeah. them some funds, and their loan was an 80% loan, 80% of a 950 property, yeah. 950,000 is a loan of 760. Yeah. So in, in, a, in a case like that, the monthly repayments would be 4,150 and the weekly repayments $957. So that there is equal go. to or close, very, very, very similar to the weekly yeah. rent the, in that hypothetical you gave me before. Yeah, absolutely. Let's face it. If you if you are in a position to, to knock on mum and dad's door, you could even consider getting a friend, a friend to take that second bedroom and help mm. you pay yep. down your mortgage and pay back your parents, which, which brings us to what we initially... <laughs> had decided we were going to talk about, which was the benefits of releasing equity, ah, um, yes. whether that's for your own uh, gain or whether it's for helping your children. Mm. Um, so talk us through, what does releasing equity actually mean for those people who've never heard that term before? And, and, and yeah, just, just tell us what, what happens. Sure. So the equity available in your property is the, the value of the property that doesn't have a loan against it. An equity release is you using that available equity and borrowing against it for another purpose. Yeah. The most common sort of purpose that we see on a day-to-day, you know, in day-to-day situations is people releasing equity to purchase another property. Either they're upsizing, downsizing, or most common, what I see, 
is people using the equity available in their property to buy an investment property. Is there different require? Are there different requirements if you release the equity for different reasons? Good question. Not really. There's okay. there are different. There are different impacts. So, for instance, if you if you're releasing equity to buy a vehicle, um, mm-hmm. which is completely acceptable, or if you're releasing equity to to give those funds to your kids to help them buy a property, it's also completely mm-hmm. acceptable from you know from the bank's perspective. That's an acceptable purpose for for borrowing against the available equity or releasing equity. Um, but yep. in both of those situations, neither of those purposes of the funds generate income. So they wouldn't be impacting your borrowing capacity. Whereas if you've got a property, you're releasing equity to buy an investment property, uh, and and as a part of as a part of doing that, you're also getting a pre-approval in place to buy the investment property. Well, then you can also factor in the proposed rental income, which would then right, impact yeah. your borrowing capacity. So yeah. so each each scenario will vary slightly, but generally speaking, like your question was, are the requirements the same? Absolutely, in that you know yeah. you need you need. You know, it's, it's a home loan application, so you'd need all the normal stuff that you would for an application for finance. And so, I imagine you you put in this re- request with the bank. Is there a maximum percentage that you can borrow? Yeah, good question. Absolutely. So, pretty much every bank is going to be comfortable with you lending up to eighty percent of the property's value. Some banks will be; uh, they have a greater risk for appetite, and they'll be a little bit more willing to allow you to borrow over eighty percent particularly if it is for the purpose of investing in another property. Yeah, there are some banks that will be more relaxed about that, but the general rule yeah. of thumb is 80%. So mm-hmm. there, are, there are really common examples that we'll see of people either upsizing or buying an investment property. I had one recently, actually, literally a few days ago, where uh, a client about five years ago, they'd bought a property for approximately a million dollars. For the sake of round numbers, we'll say a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now the property, and they bought with a, an 80% loan at the time, um, yep. So an eight hundred thousand dollar loan. They got their property valued recently, and it was valued at one point five. Now they can borrow up to eighty percent of that current valuation, which would be a loan of one point two. Over the last five years, they'd paid their eight hundred thousand dollar loan down mm-hmm. to about six fifty seven hundred. So the difference between that six fifty seven hundred and the twelve hundred that they can borrow up to, it's you know five hundred k. Yeah, so they can yeah. use all of that to help them buy an investment property. Yeah, does that make sense? So that yeah, that, that makes sense. That equity, yes, that that five hundred thousand, they can use that as the twenty percent deposit for the investment property, and and even to cover the cost of stamp duty and any other incidentals related with the purchase. But they would still have to go f- through a pre-approval to ensure they can still do the repayments for that second property, right? Definitely, yeah, a hundred percent. So in, yeah, you in, can't just bypass that because you've got a no. chunk of cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome if you could. You are absolutely right. So on that, as a, as a normal sort of part of the process, we'd arrange for the equity release to occur um, at mm. the same time as doing an application for a pre-approval to firstly, one, ensure that they, they've got their ducks in a row and also, mm. yeah, two, from affordability standpoint. Yeah, because that's still um, <laughs> the biggest factor. Absolutely. Now, yeah. when, when, so it is worth going to a broker then from what you're telling me because going back to your original lender, they may give you the equity, but you still need to shop around for a new pre- pre-approval. And maybe would it be right in thinking would one bank over another potentially give you more, more than another? 
yeah, tell, run me through that because I don't obviously I don't understand how that all works. <laughs> no, you you bang on the uh, bang on the money there. That's absolutely correct. From on the one hand, yeah, you've got more competitive offers and rates and you know better repayments. You may mm. potentially have that at a different lender, but more importantly, is that second point you address there. Different banks, because whichever bank you go to, they're going to do their own valuation of your property, and yeah. different valuers value the same property at different amounts. Yeah. Uh, really good, fairly recent example is there was a terrace in Paddington. I had really small terrace. I had one valuer from one bank value it at, at 2.5, another value it at yeah. 2.75, another value it at 3 mil. So wow. from the lowest, wow. yeah. Yes, yeah, huge, that's, huge variant. Can we just talk about that is kind of crazy? Like, <laughs> Wait, that, I mean, that's half a million dollars, which you can buy a whole house for in Queensland. That's insane. And so it's a huge wow. variance in the in the values. And each one of those, none of wow. those were what we call a desktop or an automated valuation. They, they were, were valuations person. where a human had turned up, looked at the property and, and put a price on it. And they had, wow. each of them had comparable sales to you know, defend their argument or defend the value that they put on the property. But it is something that can fluctuate hugely, wildly, as that example points out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I loved it because, I mean, this is what we do all day, right? We praise property and and have comparable sales and and look at median prices changing and all sorts of, you know, is this a good street or not? Is that a good kitchen or not? You know, is it a Pog and Pole or an Ikea? Yeah. But those valuers, my goodness, that's... Quite shocking. So yes, it. Uh, long story short, it does pay absolutely <laughs> to come to you. Yeah. And do you then get going back to parents using the equity to help their kids? Because mm. I'm quite passionate about getting young people on the ladder. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if mum and dad can help there, do you sometimes get the whole family coming to you and saying, "Hey, James, we need help. Can you sort it all out for us?" Yeah. Is this becoming a more regular occurrence? Uh I don't think it's becoming a more regular occurrence. It, it happens from time to time. But, yeah, it's definitely something that does occur. Yeah, last year an interesting case I had was mum and dad wanting to downsize and son and daughter or, you know, daughter and son-in-law wanting to upsize and they decided mm. to buy something that was multi-generational living. So mum and yeah. dad were able to, before selling the property, um, they just released some equity so that they could put in their their contribution to buy the property uh, mm-hmm. And the kids, they had a bit of cash, but then were selling their property using equity from that and borrowing more uh, for them all to move into a big multi-generational place. And that looked yeah. like a main house with then a secondary residence out the back. The term granny flat wouldn't be paying it enough credit. This thing was <laughs> amazing. It was incredible. <laughs> so it was like two residences on the one uh, on the one property and it was perfect to really fit the bill but that was a good example of where yeah the yeah. whole family came to me and said yeah let's make this work because we we do as buyers agents like i have noticed over the last couple of years there has been a change in the wind there where mm. we are getting more people who are banding together mm. whether it is sisters who want to purchase an apartment together just to, to, you know, get more buying power, but also mums and dads who are helping kids, but also uh, that dual living, so the granny Mm. flat and and what have you, because it just gives you more buying power, right? Totally. Um, It definitely does. It is the way forward. Yeah. the, 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 The one pitfall there is the in getting the liability with someone else in the future, if you plan to do something on your own or, mm. or with a partner that you don't currently have, 
then the the financial arrangement you have with your friend or your brother or your sister can really yeah. impact, impact that future borrowing situation. And I, I think that you don't, you know, like we say in Dutch, you don't go over one night's frost. You don't cross the ice over one night's frost, as it, as if to say, <laughs> you need to think about this. Don't go in, you know, feet yeah, first. And totally, I would definitely yeah. recommend yeah, well, uh, talking to maybe like a solicitor or a lawyer about this, you know, like set up yeah. some rules of engagement. Like, yeah. you know, it's all great to get it into it. It's all, you know, roast into classes. But what happens in worst case scenarios and really discuss those worst case scenarios. You know, yeah. what if your sister falls in love and, you know, wants yeah. to move out, like you said, or mom and dad want to need more care or you know totally. need need um you know a care home or whatever the case may be so i think yeah, rules rules of engagement is is a really clever way to put it michelle that's that's smart that's mm. so saying and you, <laughs> you using this like that. a if we're going to get into this you know if, if there's going to be you know brother sister we're getting into this together and we're buying a place mm. let's have a plan so yeah you know let's do it for five years uh, once we've achieved yeah. x amount of growth in the property and let's sell yeah. it we'll both take the proceeds from the sale and we'll buy our own places and over those yeah, but also similarly mm. you know what happens if the money the, the the property drops in value like what do mm. we do then you know if there's capital growth to be had does the person who puts in more money get a bigger share and when it comes to mom and dad releasing equity Mm. Is that a gift? Is mm. that a gift to the kids or is it a loan? Does the loan mm. have an interest rate? Mm. You know, is it an early release of, you know, your inheritance? All those things. They're uncomfortable conversations, but they need to be had. 100%. Um, all things that to need to be avoid considered. St- stress down the road. And we all know how it works when money is involved. You know, like it brings sometimes, unfortunately, it brings out the worst in people and you don't want to lose relationships over it, essentially. But you do see it happen, don't you? So, yeah, so be be prepared to have those difficult conversations and definitely talk to your broker because it sounds like there's definite options out there to getting into the market. Maybe, Maybe buying is a better option if your rent is crazy and you're having to consider renting an enclosed balcony for 300 bucks a week. I mean, I, I'm laughing, but inside I'm crying. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, this yeah. is sad, yeah. isn't it? Hopefully hopefully, this episode will give people some options to consider. James, did you did you have anything you wanted to add? If nothing else, your phone number and your email on how to get in touch with you, obviously, if people want to reach out. Absolutely. Always here to help. So happy for anyone to get in touch. Uh, contact number 0415 391 002. Uh, and email address James O'Brien at surefinancial.com.au. And sure is S H O R E. I can see That's it in the your one, background yeah. as I'm looking Thank at you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, not S H U R E or S H A W S H O R E. Sure Financial. That's it. Well, thank you so much, James, for your always helpful explanation uh, in this case about releasing equity and the equation versus renting and buying. Thank you again for your time and hopefully we'll get you back on to discuss more things mortgage and finance related. I would absolutely love that, Michelle. Thank you as always for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And Mm. uh, yeah, lovely, lovely talking to you as always. Talk to you soon. And thank you for you out there listening. I hope that was helpful. Until next time.